All right, so this is the West Coast Project podcast for The Affair, but I have a couple people on the line. Um, Michelle, you and I do The Affair. So hi, Michelle. Hey, Mike. But we also have Jamie with us. Jamie and I do The Americans. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Mike. Hey, so this is our little side project for the... It's going to be attached to The Affair because it's kind of related to The Affair with this whole Rashomon effect. But our idea is I've done podcasts with you, Michelle, and I. Michelle and I have done one. Jamie and I have done one, and now Michelle and Jamie, you guys are going to do one. So um, this is the third podcast for that project. Um, okay, Jamie, how long has it been since you've actually seen this? I saw it. I've, I've only seen it once because I had to rent it, like, you know, through Amazon. So I've only seen it once, and it was about 10 days ago, and I have went over it a few times, and I've got it in my mind. Did you see it more than once? I did. I actually watched it for the second time today. Oh, okay. And good. so, yeah, I just wanted to try to get to kind of wrap my head around it because um, it's a complex little story. It really is. Um, it's it's a it's a movie that was set back in uh, the 1950s, maybe 1950, early 1950s, and um, it's generally just a story. It's Asian. I think it's. From China, correct? And it's... Um, Japan. Japan. Japan, you're right. You're right. Japan. Oh, my bad. Sorry. And it's um, <laughs> it's four different accounts of the same murder or uh, tragedy, certainly, that took place. And different people's tale on what happened. And that kind of sets us up for... Um, for the plot and what it was. What did you think? What was your overall thought of the movie? Did you like it? Well, um, I really didn't. <laughs> I really didn't. Which is, it? I, you know, I, I mentioned to Mike that it was surprising to me that I didn't like it. I, I went into the movie knowing that, um, that who the director was, and I was expecting to really love it because I've seen one of his movies and it was uh, seven samurai and I mm-hmm. adored it. I loved it. It's, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, wow. And I, you know, I, yeah. And I, I didn't know what to expect, um, right. from, from this one. And so, um, I guess I was thinking it might've had some more humor in it, or maybe it would be kind of along the same lines. I didn't do very much reading to prepare myself for watching the movie. And yeah. so, um, you know, it just kind of, it was, it was difficult to watch because the subject matter was disturbing. And then of course, you know, it's a genre. Um, and, and so, you know, having genre movies that are sort of not from your own cultural background are a little bit more difficult to understand, I think. And so there was a little bit of that for me as yeah. well. I actually couldn't agree with you more. I had read um, only the reviews of it, and there were so many reviews, and the ones that I read were so positive. And I was and I was telling Mike, my husband, um, this is really his forte. He loves older movies. He loves black and white movies. He loves period movies. He loves, uh, you know, 
all all of this and he watched 20 minutes of it and said I'm out <laughs> you know and I was like oh please finish this with me he's like no so um I was really surprised by how much I didn't like it either um I thought I would like it too so um and I agree with you on a whole lot of of what you just said um anyway we'll just kind of get into it it's a woodcutter and um, some kind of a religious figure, and they're in a ruin of maybe um, some kind of a religious place, and they're kind of, it's the, the, the rain, it's just coming down in buckets, and it's kind of setting the story that it's this sad story, and they're really upset over, um, over the trial that has went on, and the different tales that was told in the trial. The first tale was from the bandit. Um, The bandit saw a man and his wife coming down the road, and he was just completely captivated by her beauty, and he even talks about if the wind hadn't blown a certain way and blown her veil off. So it had, like, touches of romance did you find that i mean weird weird romance not like how we view romance so much and right yeah no i th- i think it was really romantic um i the, the way that the and and it was weird in a perverse sense like what you're talking about because the bandit was certainly i mean uh, you know unsophisticated at the at the very best and he was <laughs> right. an animal at, you know at the worst and um you know but he he did he had he had a not only a romance, but a kind of a chivalry and a kind of, um, uh, well, not chivalry so much as no, maybe like a, a gentlemanly kind of way about him because he wanted to rape the woman, but without having to kill her husband. So, <laughs> so right. you, know, you, you had, you know, even though it was in the, the, the worst possible sense, you know, he did have some kind of, you know, manners about him. <laughs> right. There was some kind of, something driving his uh his ethics in this that was kind of i think like you were saying hard for us maybe in the culture we're in to follow so much because of of his intent but um so anyway he he sees her and he falls for her he feels like she he he wants to possess her he wants to own her um so he lures her husband away into the woods he ties him up he went to the wife he brought the wife to the husband um and once he gets her around the husband he attacks her she fought him very very strongly for the little female that she was and he liked that about her he admired her her spunk and her fight he eventually forced himself on her and and um i don't know i think it kind of showed us that she kind of liked that which was disturbing kind of in a way. Um, And then she said that one of them had to die, so he cut the husband loose and they fought. And the bandit's telling the story to the courts, and he's telling it like with pride that this, uh, that, that the husband fought so well. They passed swords 23 times. He's never fought somebody so well, but he eventually defeated him and killed him. Right, right. Did did you have um, any? Did you take anything else from from that part of the story? Well, um, just the beginning of it, um, where they were, is that uh, Rashomon is a gate, is a city gate, like a dilapidated city gate, um, and um, the 
the the religious figure, the guy was a priest, um, the one who was there, right. and the um, <clears throat> the upset that they were feeling. I kind of I kind of wondered about that, um, and I wondered about both of their experiences of it because, you know, when I when I watched the movie again, I started to wonder about sort of you know the moral center of the of the film, um, if there was one. And I think that there was one and, it, and mm-hmm. it's not the priest. It's, you know, it, to me, it doesn't seem after the whole experience of the movie of watching the whole thing, um, that, that it was the priest. It seems to me that it was the woodcutter. Um, and that the priest was a person who, you know, who had his, his, um, who was renewed by the story. Yeah. By what happened the- by the, Absolutely. The, the priest seemed, um, seemed needy of, of a good outcome. He was feeling, it seemed like, depressed over, he, he didn't want to believe the stories he was hearing, and he needed a renewal. I, I took it. I agree. In, in humankind and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't see him. At, I, I agree with your, with your woodcutter theory about him being... I don't know that he was the good guy. I took the whole thing more as how we as humans kind of maybe tend to tell stories that shed the kindest light on us as is possible. Like in the first story with the bandit, he is this fierce fighter and but but it's just like you said he's very noble. And, um, you know, the wife has a different story that sheds her in a different light. And the woodcutter has a different story. And even the husband, that they all have their own stories that shed them, I think, in the most noble light. And that kind of goes back to the affair, which Mike and I have podcast for this season. That'll only carry you so far. So, so much of that is okay. But then at some point, you've just really cut yourself off from reality and changed the story. It's not just a matter of perception. So I think we kind of see that in a lot of this. Did you think that it was a perception thing with each person or did you think it was more um, them just telling their own story? Well, I mean, I think that that one would hope that there would be enough honesty involved in the story that it would be perception as opposed to um, them just telling whatever it is that they, that they wanted to. I think those things hopefully are, uh, are linked their perception of what happened as to their telling of what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do, I I believe because there's the line um, in the, in the movie where uh, I think it's the woodcutter, um, who says that um, people or may, it may be that actually I think it might be the commoner the the just the you know the guy who who happens by there right. um, who says that people um, lie that it's part of human nature and that people lie because they can't stand the truth basically um, and they lie the worst of all they lie to themselves and it's because they can't bear you know, the, the truth of, I guess, maybe who they are. And, um, and so I think that that's, you know, essential to the story. I think that the fact that these people all saw everything from a different point of view, 
is part it's exactly that that's the piece of the package that's where that the line comes mm-hmm. from that's where you know that the the specialness of this story the uniqueness of this story and the reason why it's why it's really an iconic film as much as i disliked it <laughs> uh, um the reason it's iconic is because that story is about human nature and so these people I believe that they were lying to themselves, at least for the most part. I can see and that. And so also lying. Yeah, I just think when it comes down to actually who sunk the knife into the guy, you know, I mean, they, they would have to know. They would have to know the truth, I would think, even if they're telling themselves something different. No? Maybe. I don't know. Because, okay, like, let's say it's the wife, right? Right. She kind of, she kind of blacked out. So she says she had it. And and I think it's probably most believable that it could have been her. And, um, you know, but who knows? Because the the actual fact of the story, the truth doesn't matter. What matters in this story is really the untruth. But what's interesting to me is that, you know, she had the dagger in her hand and then passed out and then woke up later and found the dagger in her husband's chest. Right. And then blacked out and then woke up again later, you know, at the, uh, the shore of the river, I think it is that where she was standing. And so I don't know, I kind of, it's kind of hard for me to imagine that she passed out and then blacked out. And, you know, all of a sudden her, her husband's dead by a, a weapon she had in her hand. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. well, absolutely. <laughs> but this is by her story. You know, the other story was completely right. different. The bandit just said that he right. stabbed him. I mean, one of those is obviously not true. You know, I mean, one of them's not true. We don't know maybe right. which one. But, um, but yeah, just to quickly get into the wife, since we've kind of touched on it, her story was the bandit took her to her husband, forced himself on her. She felt terrible. She crawls to her husband. Let me ask you something, female to female. Did her screeching not drive you crazy, or did it? Drove me crazy. Drove I me was crazy. going nuts. I was just like, I yeah. can't listen to this. Can't. Okay, anyway. It was just like she just screamed the whole time. I just, I couldn't stand it. Um, but anyway, he he took her to her husband, who was tied up. He he forced himself on her. She crossed to her husband, and, he, and her husband has this look of revulsion and loathing on his face toward his wife. Right. And she can't, right. you know, she tries to talk him out of it. You know, she's like, oh, please, you know, whatever. And, but he, he didn't have any she's she's dirty to him now which right you know watching that as a female that's hard don't you think i think it's a hard thing to see it was unbearable i thought so i I, yeah i i found it so uncomfortable and i told this to mike it's just so difficult to watch that and i it seemed like that like that moment was was really you know, it, I I could really empathize with that character, even though I didn't like her at all, and I I did I found her difficult to look at even. But in those <laughs> moments where she was, you know, she was trying to get him to look at her or, or to not look at her with that look on his face, it you know it was just it, I I could completely understand that feeling. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree I, with everything you're saying about that. Um, but then, just like you said, she she absolutely she like flips out. She loses her mind. She starts coming toward him with a dagger, and then she you know passes out and wakes up somewhere else. And he has the dagger in his chest. And and I honestly thought, I believe I said when I was talking with Mike about it, I thought that it was showing that he had killed himself there. Mike disagreed. Mike thought it was insinuating anyway that she had killed him. But mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily take that she had done it because I mean it like showed her, you know, swoon, she 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 fainted and I didn't even think about her having done it at that point. I didn't take it as a blackout. I took it as a literal pass out where she couldn't possibly have done it. But you took it the same way Mike did that she did it, correct? Yeah, I think it's the most likely scenario. Okay. I just I just wasn't yeah. sure. I just didn't that didn't even dawn on me as I watched it, but I knew that Mike had said the same thing when when we were talking about it. Okay, so then we okay. go to the dead husband story, which is being told through the the medium, medium. of some kind. Yeah. What did you think about that scene? Oh, well. I was really enthralled by the portrayal of the of of the character through the medium i thought that that um that the way that that uh her voice was made to sound it sounded so oh it was just really it was like horror movie style scary it was really really frightening on a visceral level (laughs) and um i just i i thought i thought it was captivating and and um and and ingenious, really, um, in you know a time where there are not a lot of special effects. That was a fantastic special effect, and it was so effective. It, it was frightening, and and it really kind of put me in that mind, that space, mental space, of trying, of really imagining the dead samurai, really wanting to communicate, and and it. It started me thinking about the Japanese notions of death and where was he and, you know, what was that black space that he was talking about, this, the blackness that he was enveloped in, you know, what was it like, what could, was it cold? And, I mean, it just, it was a really effective um, part of the Acting. movie for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The, um, I thought it was so bizarre it was something i was not expecting at all in this movie so it was bizarre and it took me off guard but as the medium was telling the story i tended to buy that it was the husband the dead husband telling the story which was really an odd thing considering like you were saying the lack of special effect or whatever it was like with the voice inflection and the change and all that i I completely agree. <laughs> was like they did a good job at portraying that that was the dead husband um, speaking. I completely yeah. agree with. And um, and what's what's you know kind of fascinating to me that like the thing that that really kind of strikes me is that there was nothing particularly spooky beyond the acting and the sound of the voice. There was no special atmosphere there that was like. There was no, um, like, dark room or smoke or, you know, mm-hmm. eerie music in that moment. It was it was acting, and, and it was the voice, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was effective in conveying what it 
I think it meant to convey anyway. It certainly conveyed a message to me. So in the dead husband's story that's told through the medium, he was tied up. The bandit brought the wife in front of him um, and had his way with her. He um, then asked the wife what she wanted her to do. The bandit did. He's goading her because she'd now been with two men. And she said she'd go with him, but he had to kill her husband. This is when the wife starts screaming, just maniacally screaming again and again to kill her husband. And the bandit was disgusted with her and her behavior. He threw her down on the ground, and he essentially puts her life in her husband's hands. And um, she gets up, she runs away, um, and the husband kills himself. So... Uh, yes. Well, that's what, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, did you see it different? I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, no, I didn't. I found parts of the, of the movie confusing. And I think partly because I had to really work to pay close attention to it in some mm. areas because I mm. didn't like it. And so, so this stuff doesn't seem really clear to me. I think because I wasn't like, it didn't really sink in while I was trying to watch it. Well, I, I honestly really had a you know, hard time, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I completely get that. Um, but I think it's, again, this is the second time that, you know, it's shown disgust with the female. Now, this time it was by um, the bandit, and it was mm-hmm. because she wanted her husband dead at that point. And... Um, right. But it was just a lot, it was like a lot placed on her based on the fact that she had no control over any of this situation. A lot of the, I don't know if it's blame, but a lot of the shame placed on her. Of course, you know, screaming right. to kill your husband, why you probably should be shamed, I would think. I don't know. It was just, um, I don't know. Did you think anything different about that? Well, I, I will tell you that before I saw the movie, I watched it on Hulu Plus, and mm-hmm. Hulu Plus includes an interview with Robert Altman, the director, um, who talks about um, um, about the uh, about the director and about the movie. And one thing that he mentioned that I would never have thought of um, without him mentioning it is that. Um, these kinds of movies, like um, samurai movies um, in Japan, are a genre like cowboy movies are here um, in the West. And so without the cultural reference that, that is provided by growing up as a part of a society, like if a person is born and raised in Japan or grows up in Japan, they have a kind of a reference um, for for the film itself that we are deprived of. And, you know, I have to wonder because, you know, this movie is not a period movie. It is a movie that was made in a certain time frame. And so what I mean is it's not a modern movie made to look like it was made in the 50s. It was made in the 50s. And, you know, the cultural mores and... and um, stereotypes and subscriptions that people have, uh, you know, are true of that time period. And I 
think that they would be reflected um, truthfully in in the acting and in the storytelling. And I, I wonder if a part of that hostility toward the woman and blame on the woman as part of the sexism that was really global, you know, at the time, most societies, uh, you know, um, had that sort of oppressive view of women and the puritanical view of women's purity and um, that kind of thing. And, you know, so I wonder if that's not a part of it, but it was distasteful to me regardless, you know, in any light. But I do wonder about what we don't read um, emotionally pick up on while we're watching this that's there that somebody with the ability to reference it culturally, that they might say, okay, well, yeah, that's part of this thing. Well, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that, but that's, that's really interesting that you, that you bring that up. It was filmed in the 1950s, but it was set like in the 1500s. Isn't that correct? So we have all of that too. So yeah, all the differences and, um, in that, and I do think that's that's interesting that you bring up uh, about the people who are raised in that culture and the things that they would understand more than than we would not being raised in the culture. But I think that's one of the things that made the movie so difficult for me. Mike was reading a bunch of different stuff about well, the uh, writer, the director, or someone had said this about the movie and this about the movie, and that made this really interesting to me. And I said, but how many people go into a movie knowing that stuff? The movie, while that helps make a great movie better, in my opinion, I think a movie has to stand on its own. And I didn't think this movie withstood the test of time, personally. Well, no, I mean, it couldn't have. And, and, and actually, I, you know, it makes me wonder about, you know, its entree into Western, um, Western culture as far as Japanese film goes, because this was the groundbreaking Japanese film that introduced Japanese filmmaking to the world. I mean, this is it. And, and so it's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, certainly the world was a much vaster and more, um, pocketed place, um, and more, uh, veiled place, um, you know, back in the 1950s before we had the internet and, you know, toll free calling and, you know, um, video everywhere and, sure. you know, and language everywhere. And so, you know, I I just I kind of wonder about how accessible it was to a Western audience, um, you know, and, you know, could they relate to it based on our old black and white Westerns that are now becoming even culturally less significant to us because of the distance, you know, that the, the time that right. has elapsed between, you know, and the culture changes. And so I don't, you know, I don't know, but I agree with you. I don't know how people walked in there and saw that. And, you know, unless it was something like, you know, seeing the the movie The Matrix, where that was just a groundbreaking film, no matter whether you spoke English or not, no matter whether you could relate to the idea of The Matrix or not, everyone who saw that film was blown away. And I, I think wonder we're if too nice, Jamie. Yeah. You and I are too nice. We're just too. 
We are. Come on, let's just admit it. I've been accused of it before. You can you can admit it too. We're too nice. It was horrible. All right, all right, all right. It was horrible. I wanted to beat my head. And I never say this about anything, but I wanted to beat my head on the table watching this. I just it, it was, was like hard I, to watch. I know. I I actually kept kept writing down, Mike, why do you hate me? You know, as I was taking notes of it and stuff, because it was just so hard to watch. It was just not good. It didn't entertain me. It didn't necessarily enlighten me on anything. I just, you know, it was a story and the story wasn't a bad story, but it was so overacted as were most movies in the fifties. You know, I mean, that was a common thing, but Oh my gosh, and the screeching and the screaming, and then I had to even read it. I couldn't even glance away, and it was—I don't know—I just, right, right. I just, right. I just, it was, it was a train wreck, and I just wasn't allowed to look away from it for a second. So I don't know. I just, it, it was definitely, um, definitely one of my, and I've done some least favorite podcast, I promise you, but this was definitely in the top. Well, one. So, and I can't believe I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. But that's okay. Um, so hopefully my... I have to be real because otherwise Mike's going to put up the other podcast that I did with him. And I'm going to be going, oh, I hated it. I hate it. I'm going to get on here. I'm going to be so nice. You know, and you and I are kind of talking. And I hated it. I'm sorry. I never say that. But I really... I just really disliked it. I thought it was a real long-winded way of trying to show us something that could have been told with, um, you know, what I would view as more finesse, maybe. And there again, I think that is a a time bracket thing. But um, it certainly wasn't my favorite. Okay, The, the last view that we had was the woodcutter. And he had said that he had found the body. But then we find out that he had not actually found the body, that he just didn't want to get involved is what his story was. He found the wife's hat. He heard her crying. He saw that the husband was still tied up. The bandit is um, a completely different person in the woodcutter story. He's begging the wife for her forgiveness, begging her to be with him. He wants to marry her. And then he's kind of threatening to her. If you say no, I'll have to kill you. And um, the bandit gets angry, starts screaming at her. Um, He wants her to stop being upset. I mean, after all, he just raped her. You know, what's the big deal? And say she'll, that's sarcasm, and say she'll marry him. And, um, And this is where she goes into the fact she says, you know, a woman has no voice. And um, and she cuts her husband loose. Her husband won't fight for her, and this ticks her off. It's like the husband doesn't like her in any of the stories that we hear. The husband doesn't like her anymore. And I'm like, if you really want to get down to it, he's the one that didn't protect her, and then he doesn't like her after this happens. And it was offensive. Well, yeah, well, yeah I, you know, I think, and that, I think that's part of why he was portrayed... Um, and the way that he was in all of the stories, because, you know, he was not a victim, but he was a weakling. Yeah, certainly duped, if not physically, depending on whose story you buy, he was certainly, um, duped and, and outsmarted and shown as a weakling Mm -hmm. that way by everybody's account because he's led away and tied up. 
Right. Right. Um, so anyway, he won't fight for her. It makes her so mad. Um, her husband tells her that she's now been with two men and she should kill herself. And he'd rather lose her than his horse. I mean, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was another hard one, right? Is a real affront to um, femininity, to, to, to women, to womanhood. Um, but, you know, and that, that kind of stuff is really, really, really hard to watch. And I, you know, I don't know that, you know, any unoppressed member of a social class would ever really be able to relate to that. But I think that the way that the woman was portrayed in this movie has a great deal to do with my dislike of it. It actually, well... It was part of part of mine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, soft soap it in any way. But but it was definitely part of mine because not much really gets to me over stuff like that, honestly. But that really probably. And the more I've thought about it over the last week or so, the more I've thought about the way the 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 wife was treated. I just take huge offense to, I didn't like her either. I didn't like her. I don't believe her. Don't believe what she's saying. But the way the whole story paints her was, it was offensive to me as a female. And I just don't get like that a lot. So I'm kind of surprised that this movie did bring up that much um, emotion in me. Okay. We see that the bandit decides that he doesn't want her either. Once the husband doesn't want her, you know, it's another smack to her. Um, The husband tells her to stop crying. The bandit says, don't bully her. Women are weak by nature. (laughs) And and then she starts to do that cackle thing. She just does this really wild cackle. She says that, that they're not real men. She had wanted the bandit to save her. A woman wants a man who loves her passionately and who's willing to fight for her. And then for whatever reason, you know, I guess maybe based on what she said, they start the most pathetic of all the sword fights. Right. Which makes me think it was probably the one that was the most true. Exactly. Exactly. And it was also told told by the woodcutter who... He didn't have any dog in that fight. You know, there was there was no reason to um, for him to have told it differently, right? Right, right, exactly. So, but that fight it went on and on and on, and it, it was just so silly, right? Just right. the whole yeah, of it. I mean, it was yeah. it was embarrassing. It was bumbling. Yep. And yeah. um, which is which kind of makes you feel like that maybe that really, really was, you know, the most true because, you know, sh- swashbuckling is not the way that fights happen. It's, you know, it's usually scruffing and, you know, in the ground and, you know, um, you know, flipping around the mud and somebody tries to run away and, you know, that kind of that's what's most real. Oh, I know. Well, yeah. well, right. But this was almost like a, you know, like. Five, two five-year-olds that are given. Right. I mean, it was just so, so ridiculous. Um, but in this story, the bandit won. Um, and then he goes to the wife and tries to get her, but she runs away. 
So then we're back at the uh, the what did you call it again? The religious oh oh the priest or the or the um, the the city gates. Yes, yes. We're back at the city gates, and there's a baby crying, mm-hmm. and um, so the men they're telling the story. The man that was listening to the story, the bystander that comes by, he goes and he takes the kimono off the baby and goes to, like, steal the baby's warmth, right? right. And And the woodcutter goes up to him and, and, and the priest, and he, he scolds him. And, um, but the guy doesn't care. He takes it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think about that scene? Well, I think that the commoner represented human nature in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he's very kind of, he's another one of these basic characters that didn't really have a lot of, um, you know, surface, superficial depth, but who spoke, um, you know, truths. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, that he was necessary because he provided the, um, you know, the, the, he provided the opportunity for the woodcutter to become sort of the hero. Um, so he was that balance, I guess, you know, that was necessary in the scene. Um, but yeah, he represented human nature and he spoke the truth about human nature. And he said, you know, um, you know, if I don't take this, somebody will. So why won't it be me? Why can't it be me? Um, you know, and which is a horrible, horrible thing. thing. And also the little right. baby that was <laughs> left so there. Awful. I mean, it was like, geez. So that, that just told such a tale of human nature. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry about that, Michelle. No, what? Oh, oh, okay. I thought you could hear there was a sound. <laughs> oh, no, no, We'll no, have no, to I edit didn't... that out. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> no, I, I didn't hear anything. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, so, it was my phone. It was my phone ringing, so I, I apologize. Oh, no, no problem. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear it at all. Um, okay. Okay, so um, let me see if I can. Um, yeah, we okay. were talking about the, about the, again, I'm, I have to apologize. No, you that's can't all, yeah, that? I actually heard it okay, this time. Yeah, okay. All right. I apologize. Um, all right. So, so we were talking about the commoner and him stealing the kimono, um, from the baby, from the orphaned baby. The orphan <laughs> and, infant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so <laughs> completely defenseless infant, but uh, okay. So tell me if I, if I saw this correctly, was the priest about to throw that baby off the building? Oh my gosh, I didn't see that. I I don't know. Okay. Because the woodcutter stops him. The woodcutter stops him at the end and he says something like um what does he say? He says something like uh oh, don't take the last thing from this baby. Like the last thing the baby doesn't own anything else but its life is what I assumed that the woodcutter was trying to say, don't take the last thing from him. Um, and then the woodcutter is about to cry. And he says, you know, that's when he says, I have six kids at home. One more won't make a difference. 
Right. And then, right. you know, and and then he takes the, the, the baby and the priest is, you know, um, is renewed through that act of charity on the part of the woodcutter. Right, right. And this is right after the priest has actually brought up the fact that the woodcutter is the one who stole the dagger, you know, because that was important, too, because he brought up the fact that it was the priest who, who brought it up, right, because he says um, he says that he's evil, too. He says, you stole the pearl inlaid dagger of the wife, and then he wants to know, you know, what, no, 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 it wasn't the priest, it was the commoner, right, that did that, the, the man. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and then because then he smacks him in the ear and he walks off with the kimono. See, I thought that was kind of like the moral of the whole story. Then the woodcutter offers to take the baby home and everyone's face restored. I thought that was the whole, that was my take on the movie, having not read any of the director's, you know, cuts or anything like that, was that we all maybe have the propensity to do bad, but we can do good things too. And I thought it was something that simple that, or maybe I'm just simple minded, but that's, that's what I took out of it. It was like here. Yes. You've obviously done a bad thing. You, you lied about the story to the courts. You um, took the dagger. You've probably sold the dagger, but look at what a good person you actually are in another sense. And I thought that that was kind of what they were trying to say about everybody it was like, okay, the bandit had his bad, his bad, uh, you know, traits, but he probably had a good side too. Um, and maybe the same with the wife and the husband and all of them. But like I said, that could have just been my, my simple mind on it. And no, having, I think that's a really, I think that was a great take on it. I, I think that, that you, you had a really great take on it. Um, I, I think that the only thing maybe that I would, I would, um, would add is that um, that um, the the I think that what I took away from it the last portion of of what I understood um, from the movie is that you know even though you know there's a there's a there's a character and maybe a prototype of a of a person who is really really deeply very good and very, very self-sacrificing and empathetic to almost a fault, even that person has the capability of being immoral and of seeing things in a way that romanticizes their own uh, position and their own point of view. Do you think he saw it that way, or do you think that's just the story he told? Do you think he well, really saw know. it that way? I don't either. I, I don't know, but I, I think it's interesting that that question has come up again because you asked me that question earlier and I tried to answer it and I don't know that I've been effective in understanding it or answering it well either way. And isn't that probably the point? Yeah, it probably is. I think I think you're right and I do think you've you've answered. <laughs> I think you've done a great job. As a matter of fact, I think we've both done just quite the job on this story. But um uh, I, I do think that's kind of, it's kind of a, how, how you look at it thing, how, how you view it. And I'm sure that yeah. they wanted us to take a lot of that out of it. Um, I think it could have been done, you know, not that I could have done better, but I, I've seen better and, um, mm. you know, there, therefore it wasn't again, 
necessarily one of my one of my top movies at all. But um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about about it? Um, no, not really. No. <laughs> and I don't run, I don't run out of things to say, but this one I'm just done. I'm yeah. Just done with this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, can I just say that this has been really fun, and I hope that we get a chance to um, to maybe podcast something else sometimes because it's really good to have a girl's take on it. Mike and I kind of bickered back and forth the whole time, and I think it's it's been really fun that um, that you and I did agree on so much of it anyway. And thank you again for doing the um, the affair because. Um, I don't really see that this is very similar other than just different points of view, but, um, but it's always great to have, have an extra point of view on it. And I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun for me, Jamie. It's been fun for me too. Thanks, Michelle. It's been so great. And I really do. I'd love to do a podcast with you. Okay, great. Awesome. Is, uh, Mike, are you going to come back on the line with us or? All right, you guys, a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Just saying. (laughs) <laughs> it's called it's called rotten, rotten tomatoes tomato. for a right <laughs> <laughs> sorry Mike. brilliant minds think alike you guys did a great job no you guys did a great job i'm really i'm actually really happy that you both have the same opinion of the of the movie even though we have differing opinions because i don't know it validates everybody's point of view and i'm glad that you I, i'm really glad that both of you st- stood up and said well, I don't I don't have a clue in the world why you like this movie, Mike, but I don't like it at all. I really I really do think that's good. It's interesting. It makes it more interesting to talk about. Yeah. Well, awesome. <laughs> I don't know. This was a rough one. This was a rough one, Mike. It was a rough one. <laughs> mm-hmm. We get to pick the next one. It's going to have bows and um, you know, stuff Ribbons like that. And Absolutely. Romantic music. All right, then you can have me as a guest on your podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're owed. We're owed. (laughs) I think so. And I think, Mike, I think you you better not make both your girls mad. I don't think that'd be good. (laughs) Yeah, come on, Mike. All right. Well, you did a great job. And it was like 48 minutes right right at this point. So perfect. And it was was interesting. So thanks again. Okay, good. Thanks thanks again, Jamie. Okay. Thanks, Michelle. All right, y'all. (laughs) Bye-bye.